Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm Ryan Dobson with my wife, Laura. We've got a great program today. Pay attention to this one. Uh, This guest and this book we have really has, um, it's lessened how frustrated I get as a parent. Do you know what I'm talking about? Do you ever get frustrated as a parent and just think, oh my goodness, I'm so frustrated. This book, these concepts have really lessened it. We're interviewing Paul Tripp today on his book, Parenting. This is Rebel Parenting. We talk about that a lot. His book is just titled Parenting. And it really, it introduced a concept to us. And I'm just going to tease a little bit of it here. And then we're going to jump into the program. But it got us out of that event-based parenting where something happens and that creates an event. Uh, Your son hits your daughter. Your daughter hits your son. Somebody lies. Somebody steals. Something happens. You catch somebody drinking. You find weed in their bedroom. Something. There's an event that takes place. And then you have two choices after that. It's win or lose. If your kid behaves the right way, you win. And if he behaves the wrong way, you lose. If he's sorry for what he did, you win. And if he's not, you lose. You know, there's that win-loss mentality. And that tends to get us crazy. And it It uh, leads us to overreact as parents, I think, at times. And when you can get out of that event-based mentality and turn parenting into a lifelong journey. I was noticing the relationship with my parents and myself and the conversations I'm having with with my dad. He's still my dad. He's still a parent. He's still advising me in a way. Uh, and letting me be a better parent because of it. And I'm telling you, Paul Tripp, you are going to love this program. Are you watching the live videos? Because we've got great live videos every Monday and Friday, 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern, facebook.com slash Dobson for Rebel Live. And Wellness Wednesdays, we're doing videos on Wellness Wednesdays. And producer Kristen is starting a Wellness Wednesday fitness group. So that's coming soon. Also, there's some great parenting resources we have available now on the new website, rebelparenting.org. Click on the resources tab, and while you're there, click on the donation tab. Help us out a little bit. All donations are tax deductible. Let's jump into the program because Paul Tripp is amazing. Here he is now on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Paul, I'm going to start this program out a little differently. I'm going to give a quote from one of our favorite people, Francis Chan, and he said, after reading this book, this is your book called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. Francis Chan says, after reading this book, I was torn. Part of me wanted to sit, cry, and confess all of my failures as a parent. The other part wanted to scream with excitement for the tremendous insight I now have to be a better parent. What an amazing endorsement. Paul Tripp, thank you for coming on the broadcast today. We appreciate it. Hey, it's great to be with you. Definitely. It's good to have you. Paul, Is we believe parenting is hard. I mean, that's just one of those things. We say the struggle is real. Is there any society, has it ever been easy for anyone? Or is this just universal? Race, religion, creed, color, location. Parenting is hard. Yeah, I, and, and here's how I think about that. I think it's, it's universally hard. I've done parenting material literally on every continent on earth i think and and uh i think it's universally hard because we're asked to do something we have no ability whatsoever to do (laughs) amen perfect yes and so many people are afraid of saying that you know we're afraid of saying i don't have the ability (laughs) and i think that it good parenting really begins with owning and confessing your inability. Uh, Mm. Let me me speak to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, No human being 
has the ability to change another human being. If, if, if human beings could create change in other human beings, Jesus would have never had to come. Amen. Right. So, so the, the gospel destroys that. So I'm, I'm immediately involved in something that's bigger than me. Mm. And if you, don't, if you don't understand that, then you will load heavy burdens on yourself. You will try to do things that you can't do. Mm. And no wonder you end up discouraged, frustrated, disheartened, uh, overwhelmed with, with shame with and guilt yeah. and regret. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. All of those things, because uh, you, you're, you're not understanding that you're not called to create change. Huh. You're called to be a tool in the hands of the one who has the power to create change. Mm-hmm. And that's a completely different model. It is. Yeah. That's 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 why in this book, you don't have three steps to anything. <laughs> that's right. A plus that, B doesn't you, equal C. It's, it's why, it's why right. you don't have that in the Bible either. Yeah. Yes. I mean, Paul never Paul never turns and says, "These are the seven steps to a completely blissful marriage." Mm. Never there, because it's. That's not the world that we live in. It just doesn't doesn't work that way. So so getting a hold of your inability is is so important as a parent. And I'm shocked that nobody talks about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, you read you read the average parenting book, and the assumption of the average parenting book is this is something you can do, and I'm going to tell you how to do it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Huh. And and. Uh, I'll give you a very honest experience of mine. This, this may surprise some listeners. I talk to parents all the time at parenting weekends. I've had this conversation so many times. It's one of the reasons I wrote the book. <laughs> and, and they would say, I dreaded coming this weekend. Mm-hmm. I came because I want to be supportive of my church and supportive of its leadership. But I dreaded coming because I've, I've come to these many times. And I've read a bunch of books. And it never seems to result in anything different. Yeah, there's no change. And, and so I, they come expecting they're going to give three steps to this, get three steps to this, five steps to that, seven steps to a better thing, and walk away, again, overburdened, mm-hmm. overwhelmed, mm-hmm. and wonder why in the world did I spend my weekend doing this. Yeah. And then more discouraged for the yeah. future and more sad because yeah. you still know that you can't do it. And all the advice you were given was kind of a load. And yeah, we're just going to be step back four before I did step one. So I've yeah. messed up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. Paul, you add to that because there's a part in your book where you talk about how it's so easy for a parent to place their identity into their children. And this is universal where we, we get our worth and our value and, um, we get our accolades and our attaboys and we're doing well because of the performances of our children and it's ruining parental relationships. It's ruining marriages. It's ruining kids. I mean, how do we untangle ourselves from that and understand we don't have the ability and yet mm-hmm. sit back and be with our children and both try to be who God wants us to be? How, mm-hmm. how do we start that process? So let's do some identity basics here. Human beings are wired 
to look for identity. That that is hardwired into us by God. It's meant us meant to drive us to Him, mm-hmm. so that we would find our identity in Him and experience, no matter what's going on with us, lasting security and lasting hope. What what sinners tend to do, though, is we look for identity in the creation rather than the Creator, and and no, nothing in creation was made to give me identity. Everything in creation that has influence on my life is meant to be a finger to point me towards the one who can give me that identity that I'm searching for. Mm-hmm. Now, you, you tend to look for identity in places that dominate your energy and your thinking mm. and your schedule. Yeah. Sure. Well, for a parent... Where is that? It's your children. At home. Yeah. As a mom, it's but, for me at home with my but, kids. But but looking for I mean looking for identity in your children is a miserable choice. Mm. I mean think about this. I I have four children. There was not one morning in their lives where they got up and said to themselves, How today can I impart to my mom and dad identity and worth? <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, they they never ask that question, and 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 so looking for that does two things. It's first a horrible burden on the shoulders of children. Mm. Uh, mm. Yeah, it just it just is something they should not have to deal with. I I had a very brief counseling moment with. A mom and her son, his 15-year-old son, who is breaking under the load of his mom's expectations. Yep. He, he finally just caved in emotionally. And she brought him to counseling, wanted, wanting me to whip him into shape. Oh. Mm. I, I sat the first 15 minutes with that boy. He couldn't do anything but cry. He was, oh. he was emotionally at the end. Yep. And I... I I began to realize that this this mother was living through him. Her life hadn't been the success she wanted to be, and she was determined that he would be a success. This boy didn't have 10 minutes free on any day because Mm -hmm. it's filled with activities all about achievement, achievement, achievement. I realized that the person I needed to counsel was not the kid. It was a mother Mm -hmm. because she... She couldn't see that this poor boy was breaking under the load of that. Totally. The, I see that all around. Mm-hmm. We do. So the, we were interviewing Arch Hart, and he said, whenever a parent tells me their child is gifted, I always say, I'm sorry, and I hope you're saving for counseling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So it, what's the effect? That's the effect on the child. What's the effect on the parent? Well, I'm going to be too much focused on success. Uh, listen, success is, is not the goal. For a parent, the goal is faithfulness. Mm-hmm. I have no ability to create success. I mean, I don't know, for example, in which conversation I have with my child that the Spirit of God will work and impart to him insight into his own heart. I don't mm. control that. Yeah. God does. Uh, I'll be too focused on reputation. Reputation is a huge thing for parents. Yep. Uh, listen, my child's not my trophy. 
Ooh-wee, that's going to be a hard it, one. you got to say that again, Paul. Say it again. <laughs> Let that one marinate well, in our listeners' brains for a little yeah, bit. My, my child is, well, I can say it even stronger, my child is never my trophy. Yeah. Mm. If there's good coming out of that child, the, the praise goes to the God who has created that good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Listen, if it's true Amen. that children are born in sin, that we go astray, speaking lies in infancy, then any good thing that comes out of the life of a child is an act of grace. Mm. So, so that focus on reputation uh, just misses the point. Well, what it creates in the dynamics is then it's way too much desire to control for control. Because if if I need this child to feel worth, I'm going to control every aspect of this human being's life. For sure, that's the rub, right? When you start enforcing yeah. rules and get into legalism, yeah. Can you talk and, a little so bit more about that? It, well, it doesn't. It doesn't allow the child to grow and mature mm. because a tra- child has no initiatives of his own. He can't make any decisions of his own. He can't form opinions of his own. Mm. I mean, I've literally heard child children say, "This is what I think," and their parents say, "No, that's not what you think." So are you speaking now to like the snowplow parent and the helicopter parent that's just constantly looking for things to get out of the way of their child or hovering around, you know, it's, we see this, it's the overactive parent that's controlling every aspect of their child. You know, they're helping them fill out college applications and they're looking at internships and they're calling prospective, you know, intern employers, things like that. And then you've got a child that's getting ready to leave the home to be a quote unquote adult with zero skills to be an adult. Well, I'm, I'm talking broader than that. I'm talking to almost every parent. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm serious because yeah. uh, it, it, it may not be that you notice me hovering over my child, but the average parent believes that their job is controlling behavior. behavior. Mm. Yep. They think they think parenting is a function of control, hmm. and and so uh, they give themselves to managing and controlling the behavior of their children. Now, obviously, uh, children need to be parented. They need authority in their lives, and that authority is not a bad thing. It's a good thing, and they need rules in their lives. Those rules are are good things. But if all I do is control the behavior of my child. When he leaves my home, he has nothing. Because the child hasn't actually changed. He's been controlled. Let me say something more about this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if, you, if you watch most well-intending, loving Christian parents, there's a massive contradiction in their lives that they don't recognize. Here's the contradiction. On Sunday, they will lift their hands and their voices to sing with joy about the rescue of God's grace in their lives. But they will turn around on Sunday afternoon through Saturday evening and construct a system in their home that is all law. And what they don't realize is in parenting, they're asking the law to do 
what only grace can accomplish. Hmm. Now, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, let's unpack that. Well, yeah. the, the, the law is very good at, ex at exposing sin. We need the law in our life because sure. the law is a mirror that helps us to see ourselves as we actually are because we live in denial and delusion and we think we're more righteous than yeah. we actually are and Grandiose children surely do that. Sure. And, and so we need the law. Mm -hmm. We need the law as a, as a moral guide for life because on, on our own, we would not have any clue what is right or wrong or how to live. Yeah. But the law has no ability to rescue and transform our hearts. Yes. True. And so if the law could do that, I'll say this again, Jesus would have never had to come. Oh, yeah. So, so uh, parenting can't just be a system of rules and enforcements. Mm. Because if all you do is set up a neat set of rules with a corollary set of punishments, uh, once your children are out of that system, they don't have anything. Because what really needs to change is their hearts. Hmm. And that, that, that only happens by means of God's grace. Not to say one other thing. Whenever I use the term grace in parenting, here's what, here's what parents do. They hear permissive parenting. Yep. They think grace means I just, I just let go of the rules and I chill out with my kids and hope for the best. Well, if I could say it this way, grace never calls wrong right. If wrong were right, there would be no need for grace. Hmm. The whole assumption of grace is that wrong is wrong. Yeah. So, so grace isn't permissive parenting. Grace recognizes the, the sin, weakness, failure, and rebellion of children, mm. but it moves toward them with a desire to give insight and rescue rather than moving away from them with just judgment and condemnation. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Paul, that's the difference. Go ahead. We are, we are so into this. One of our big mottos is that we're not about behavior modification. We're about the heart. And it's so radically new in a way it's not new. It's, it's ancient as Jesus is, but we're trying this thing. We're trying to have proper grace and, and walk down this road so start early steps. You know, you got, I've got a five-year-old and a 10-year-old. So I'm, you know, right in the middle of all these different things. How do you start that with the heart process? When your kids are misbehaving and there is behavior that you would like changed and you're trying to let that be a heart change, not a, you know, I don't want to be a warden. I don't want to run a prison where we all obey the rules. How do we do that as parents? If we're trying to get our kids to value Whatever it is, whatever we're trying to teach. I mean, we can think of something specific, but what are those things? How do we get down that road? I mean, you don't start by suspending rules or the exercise of authority. Okay. Your children need rules in their life. They need authority. But the exercise of authority is not enough. So I'm in this situation where my child has done something wrong. Uh, they've mistreated a sibling. They've been disrespectful to me. 
Sure. What, what, my, my first question is, what is God wanting to do in the life of this child at this moment, and how can I be part of it? Hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm realizing that it's not my agenda, it's not what I want from the child, it's not how dare you do this to me. I'm functioning as an ambassador uh, of the one who really does own my children. So what is it that God is trying, wants to do in the heart and life of this child at this moment? Now, now keep that question in mind. Mm-hmm. I want to I wanna, uh, set it up this way. Here's what I need to understand as a parent. If my eyes ever see or my ears ever hear the sin, weakness, and failure of my child, it's never an accident. It's never an interruption. It's never a hassle. It's always grace. God loves that child. He's put him in a family of faith, and he will expose the need of that child to you so you can be a tool of his rescue and transformation. That's the model. That's parenting. That's parenting in a sentence. And so (laughs) at that moment, I realize I'm seeing this. I'm hearing this. Because that, that's exactly what God wants to have happen. And so uh, I'm asking that question, what does God want to do in this moment? Second question that comes out of that is, what right now does God want my child to see that is not now seen, and how can I help him see it? Maybe that's the anger of his heart. Maybe that, that is his rebellion. Maybe that's unloving attitudes toward uh, his siblings. I want to and see in this moment, whatever the consequences of the behavior is going to be, I want my child to grow in spiritual insight. Because I want to develop him, in him a sense of need that will bring him at some point to cry out for help. Hmm. Because no matter how well you act toward your child, if they don't transact with God, they won't be okay. Hmm. So what parenting is, parenting is a long-term process of God-given opportunities that is responded to with an unending conversation. Mm-hmm. that I'm having with my children. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's parenting. Hmm. I love that. I'm letting it sit in here for a second because I'm thinking about it in my own life. It's, uh, I'm saying the same thing. You know, I've, as a, I'm, I'm type A, I am black and white, I'm binary. I, am, I love rules. I love regulations. I like systems and processes. <laughs> and it's interesting to look back on my life at the uh, diets and workouts and reading regimens and all those types of things that would all easily classify under law. I am trying to shape my life via law because I can do it myself if I put enough pressure or restrictions on me and how many times I've failed at it. And yet what we're saying is I don't have any of this ability that the Lord well, is the only one that has it. We're saying something along with that too. I mean, that's absolutely, you're right. Mm-hmm. But we're saying that you can't look at those moments in isolation from one another. For sure. Because when you mm-hmm. do that, you have an event mentality and a win mentality. 
Yeah. Right. So I'm going to go in yeah. to this moment and I've got to win. And rather than this is a long-term process of change and every one of those moments gives me an opportunity to make another step in that process. Think of how God works in our lives. Uh, he welcomes us into his family by the justifying mercies of Christ, and then he sets himself to a long-term, lifelong process of change. We call that sanctification. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how the wise Heavenly Father has chosen best to create personal transformation in our lives. How about making that our model for parenting? Hmm. Yeah. Can you give us some specific examples, Paul? I mean, either in people you've counseled or yeah. coached or in your own life to where, you know, something's gone south or things have gone sideways and we're trying to, uh, you know, intervene in a situation. What does that look like? Can you walk out a specific that's yeah, down so, so we can, so, Yeah. So, uh, my son's 16. He, he, uh, in many ways, is a, has been a responsible, easy kid to parent. He asked if he can go over to uh, spend a weekend with a friend who's a family in our church. We know the family. We have no problem with that. We say, sure. Um, on That's Friday night. On He's going to stay till Sunday. On, on uh, Sometime on Saturday morning, we get a call from the friend's mother because his friend got concerned and told his mother that Justin that he had created this lie with our, our son, Justin, and that he wasn't, he was supposed to be there and he wasn't there because he was going to go someplace where he, uh, he knew we wouldn't want to go. Sure. Yeah. Yep. So, so the mother called us and let us know that Justin wasn't there. Now I will be quite honest. I was livid. Thank you for being honest. Thank you for being honest. How, how dare you break our trust uh, that easily that we built up over all these years? Mm-hmm. So I went upstairs and I, I displayed that anger to my wife and announced to her that our son was not where he was supposed to be. And she said, uh, you should pray. And I immediately said, I don't know if I can pray for him at this moment. I'm too angry. And she said, no, you shouldn't pray for him. You should pray for yourself. Awesome. Yeah. I like your wife. And... And, and, she, and she was right. And as I prayed, I realized that this whole thing was God setting up this awesome opportunity to get at something with my son. Mm-hmm. And so now I had, a, I had a, different, a whole different agenda. I didn't greet him at the door and start screaming at him when he came in. Mm. I, let him, I let him get home. I let him relax. And I... Went, went down to his room, and I said, can we talk for a moment? He said, sure. And I just said, you know, you've, you've lived just honestly and responsibly uh, for 16 years. And I actually used this term. I said, this, this weekend, you've taken a step toward darkness. Hmm. And you can... You can you can go there, and you can learn to, to 
create a good backstory and surround yourself with people who will support your lie and you can learn to be crafty and deceitful and get your own way. Or you can live in the light. And I looked at him, 16 years old, and I said, won't you live in the light? What a great invitation. And I, and I said, and I said, that's all I want to say to you right now. Um, and I started out of the room and he said, dad, don't go. And he said, I want to live in the light, but it's so hard. Mm. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, if I had greeted him at the door and said, you, how dare you lie mm. to me? Yep. You are, you are grounded for seven years. Yeah. Uh, he would have gotten a punishment and he would have felt momentary guilt, but there would have been absolutely no engagement of his heart, mm. no insight, and no change. And, and listen, that's, it's that kind of announcement of uh, disobedience and an announcement of a punishment that most people call Christian parenting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And if all the wise Heavenly Father did was point out our sin and attach it, a punishment to us, we would be damned. Yep. So why do you think parents fall into the trap so easily? Because we're not doing it ourselves. We can't transmit it to our children. I mean, what's your feel of that? Because the law is less costly than grace. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I mean, you know, Paul, I'm, what, what you, the, you just made it, me think of a family. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you go. I, I was going to say, Jesus' life would have been much different, much easier for him if he had just come and announced law. Yeah, yeah. But because he came to extend grace, he didn't just suffer at the cross. He suffered from the manger through to the cross. His life was a life of sacrifice because he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Grace is just costlier. Grace means I'm going to get up early in the morning and, and deal with things I don't want to deal with early morning. Stay home, stay up late at night and, and deal with things that I feel too hard to deal with. Uh, it's, it's costly. I let go of reputation things. I, I don't allow myself to, to just say whatever I want to say in a moment when I'm mad. I don't give myself the ability to yank a child down the hall or slap them across the face or uh, pull their hair or all those subtle abusive things that even Christian parents do. Yeah. Uh, grace is costly, and it's just easier to set up a system of law in, in your home. It will ask less of you. The problem is law can't do what needs to be done in the heart of your child. It just can't. Yeah. Uh, it has a, has good purpose, but it's not enough. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Thank you. Oh, I'm, I'm so into this. I want to talk about this for another you know, <laughs> four or five years, but, um, now, let me ask this. I have two questions. One is um, when or if, let's see, not, 
do and if so, when do consequences come into play? And is this from birth on, you know, what do you do when you've got, you know, uh, a toddler that understanding you're taking a step towards darkness might not, it might be, it might be a little heavy, obviously, or how do you do that at a younger age? How do we start this as early as possible? Well, here, here's what, here's what uh, you have to understand that you want to start talking this way to your children from day one. Because your children are interpreters. They're, they're, every child is making sense out of this world. Every child is, is uh, a meaning maker. And so they won't assemble all the pieces, but give them the pieces. And so, you know, we, I'll give you an example. We were in the car with my granddaughter, and she's three years old. And uh, she, she just out of the blue asked ask her grandmother, are you puzzled? Now, she probably doesn't know what that means, but she's putting these things together. Mm-hmm. And Grandma says, no, I'm, I'm not puzzled, Lily. And then uh, little Lily, she asks our granddaughter, Lily, Lily, are you puzzled? She hesitates for a while and says, I don't want to talk about it, which we, we ended up laughing hysterically at because it seemed way more mature than her age. But what we realize is those are little pieces She's, she's realizing there are times when people are confused. Mm. And so can she lay that out and say, you know, we're interpreting life and sometimes we can't come up with an interpretation and that's distressing because we're confused. We don't know. No, but she's assembling little pieces. Mm. So I want to start talking to my children, asking questions of my children, mm. uh, asking my children to talk about themselves, capturing those opportunities, even when they're young, even when they're only going to give me one-word answers, Mm -hmm. because I understand this process of coming to understand themselves and understand authority and understand God and understand the world and understand right and wrong is developing from the earliest of moments. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So I would just say, just have conversations with your children young, and know that they're assembling pieces. If they're going to assemble pieces to make sense out of life, how about giving them the right pieces? Mm -hmm. Paul, this is such good stuff. I'm so glad you've put this into words that it makes it easier to describe because we talk to parents about this. And this is, by the way, this isn't just a parenting thing. This is a relationship thing. Yeah. You know, marriage isn't an event win mentality. And by the way, my attitude towards relationships up until a few years ago was event and win. I didn't know anything else. I'm super black and white. I'm super binary. And it took a lot and it took a lot of heartache Mm -hmm. and heartbreak to figure out that my marriage is a journey. It's not an event. It's not a situation. It's not about winning. It's about being together and communicating and having a relationship. My mm-hmm. life with the Lord isn't an event. Yeah. Win loss thing. Mm-hmm. You know, nor is it with my children. I am woof, this is so It's heavy in a way, but it's it's yeah. good too because it it gives you freedom. It's I'm looking back thinking, ooh, I've blown it so many times. But yeah. again, I feel like Francis Chan. I've got a little freedom now, too. Well, here, let's talk about that freedom. Mm-hmm. This is a freeing way to live as a parent. Because here's what happens. Most parents do get up in the morning, and they load the, 
total burden of change in the lives of their children on their shoulders. It's them. not on your shoulders. It's on God's shoulders. Mm-hmm. You're just mm-hmm. a tool. Wow. And so that's the first thing they do. Yeah. And be- because they are carrying that burden, they end up reaching for tools that are more destructive than been helpful. And so they say things that they shouldn't say. They do things that they shouldn't do. Uh, they're trying to get a big enough threat or inflammatory enough vocabulary yes. or scary yes. enough actions to create change in right. their children. And that doesn't work. Lauren, I used to live in an apartment. It it, there was well, a woman well, downstairs that screamed at her kids all day, every day. <laughs> and this is before, we, we didn't even have children, but she would yell at her kids all the time and she would say the same thing the same over, and over and over, over again. Yeah. and I turned to Laura one day and I was like my goodness it hadn't worked the last million times why are you still asking the same question you're still saying the same thing it was just insanity over, over and yeah. over and over again we would see that just yelling to the kids and my dad talks about that in dare to discipline um but I'd like to hear your take on that because the threat, well, the uh, the yelling to where you scare your child into behavior mm-hmm. or, oh, I guess the consequence is on its way, you know, the counting to the one, two, three, yeah. because it's the punishment, it's the spanking, it's the grounding that's keeping them in line, not the heart. And that's the hard thing for us as rebel parents. We want heart modification, not behavior, but the yelling, the anger, the threats, the consequences, that's a behavior style. Hmm. Well, let, let me, let me. Person, you, I can't resist doing this. Good. Let me say, let me say to everyone listening who's a parent: stop counting. Mm. If it's if it's if it's wrong, it's wrong at one. It doesn't become wrong at three. I can't imagine God at the Ten Commandments saying, "Thou shalt not kill." One, one, two, two three. Oh, that's a good one. Thank you, Paul. You're my I mean, favorite just, person. Yes. You're seriously my favorite person i have goosebumps the next time i get on stage i am stealing that so bad that's my favorite thing i've heard in so long oh you thou shalt not cheat on your wife one oh nope two (laughs) nope don't do it a third time oh my gracious you you are the best so but let's 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 just take one thing let's take the tendency of parents to use shame as a motivator. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And and so I say things like, I can't believe you would do that to me. Or I mm-hmm. would have never thought of doing such a thing. Mm. Yeah, we've all heard or, that. <laughs> I've only said if, that a million times. <laughs> what if your friends would have seen you do this, act this mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, shame doesn't motivate. Shame paralyzes. Mm. Shame makes me tentative. Shame makes me insecure. Shame riddles me with self-doubt. Makes me makes me afraid. It it's, it does the exact opposite of what you want. That's why the glorious message of the gospel is that Jesus not only carried our guilt, he bore our shame. Uh, So I don't have to live in shame anymore. And so shame actually does the exact opposite of what you want in your children. I will tell you, if a child who's been raised by parents 
whose major tool is shame, will can't wait till they're old enough to get out of that house and get out of that system. Yep. Yeah. If you're no looking child. for a rebellious college student, start doing this early. Hmm. Start parenting yeah. with shame and guilt early and see how your kid reacts in college. Paul, what would you say to yeah. someone who has operated in that shame? Like what would be the first steps to um, heal it? Or yeah, I think there's a lot of parents that are like, oh, oh no. I've been doing that. <laughs> how do we start over? How do we look at well, our kid well, and go? Well, first of all, you got yeah. you got to confess the sin of that to the Lord. Sure. Okay. Because Confession. because you haven't used shame for your child. You've used it for you. Yep. Uh, because it doesn't create good things in a child. Then you go and confess to your child. Mm-hmm. So I've used I've used tools to try to produce things in you that I should have never used. Yep. And I need your forgiveness. And I would love to form with you a very different relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, wouldn't it be wonderful uh, to have an 18-year-old child say, no one, no one has talked to me more insightfully than my mother. Mm-hmm. No one has encouraged me more than my mother. No one has helped me to understand myself more than my mother. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's, that's what parenting should do. Mm-hmm. That's, what, that's what we experience, again, in our relationship with the Heavenly Father, mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. no one has imparted more wisdom, more self-understanding, more hope in us mm-hmm. than our Heavenly Father. That's the one that we represent. And so here's what this means. If I am his ambassador, then every time I exercise authority, it must be a beautiful picture of the authority of God. Hmm. So I don't have the right to exercise authority any way I want to, because the children aren't owned by me, they're owned by him. I'm an ambassador, I'm meant to represent him. The only thing an ambassador ever does is represent. I'm here to represent him in the life of my children. So I want to represent the patient, loving, gracious, Mm. but Long-suffering. Yeah, authority of the Father. Mm. Uh, Let me give you a couple examples. So I don't scream ugly things at my children. Mm. (laughs) because that's not what that's not what god does or i don't treat my children like they're my little slaves to make my life easier Mm. listen children children should participate in the chores of a family because they help dirty the house it's right for them to help clean the house but if i if i'm a dad and i like to read the newspaper when i get home from work and that newspaper is five steps from me and my seven-year-old son is upstairs. Don't I should call him to come down and get me the newspaper? Correct. I should get I should get off my butt and go get it myself. Because if I do that again and again, he will conclude yep. that I I use authority in a selfish way, mm-hmm. not for his good, but to make my life easier. And he will rage against that authority. You see, my children don't come into the world loving authority. Yeah. Uh, because they believe in their own autonomy. They believe they should rule their own lives. So, you know, the, the argument with the little uh, daughter over whether to eat her peas or, 
not. It's not about diet. She hasn't read the paleo diet book and decided she wants to eat that way. It's about authority. She's saying you won't rule me. The the argument about when to go to bed at night, it's not about sleep. The child hasn't done a sleep study. It's it's about authority. Mm -hmm. And so the Mm -hmm. exercise of authority is very important. Our children need authority. They need to know that they were raised in a world of authority, and they're not it. Yeah. But the way that we exercise authority will will either cause children to esteem authority or to rebel against authority. Yeah. Because if they understand... Yeah. So essentially what we're saying is you're not disobeying me as a parent. You're disobeying God. And as a tool of the Lord, I'm pointing that out, but it's not a, it, it takes the personal out of it. You didn't do this but to ch- me. You know, that's what we say. I can't believe you did this to me. It's so personal. And I think sometimes when it's that personal, when you're taking it as an offense, like you didn't clean your room because you maliciously wanted to hurt mommy and daddy. I mean, that's, we don't say so, those words, so, but let, that's, I can't believe you did that to me. In those moments, you're just, I will give you four things that will happen. Yeah. Because that's my mentality, I will turn a moment of ministry into a moment of anger. Right. Yep. Secondly, I'll do that because I've personalized what is not personal. Yes. Mm. It's not about me. Thirdly, that means I'm adversarial in my response. It's not me for you, it's me against you, because I personalize this thing. And the fourth thing it means, and this is real tragic, I will settle for some quick situational solution that doesn't get at the heart of the matter. Mm. Yeah. And I think parents are are doing this, this all the time. What I want my children to grow up to understand that when they think of the word authority, they think of something that's wise, insightful, gracious, patient, rescuing, protective, that that authority means something beautiful to them. Rather than when they think of authority, they think of something that was uh, hurtful mm-hmm. and, and disheartening and guilt-producing and shame-producing, yeah. and they think, I, I hate authority. Yeah, I don't want anything to do with that. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you, Paul. This has been Paul, fabulous. I'm telling you, this is my favorite broadcast <laughs> we've recorded yet. On- <laughs> For sure, honestly, hands down. That, yeah. And I, yeah. I'm, I hesitate to even include that in the broadcast. I don't want to make anybody upset, but this is... It's so deep, and it's everything that yep. we believe here. We think this is—I yeah. I know we had to reschedule a million times, yeah. but it's because of that. It's because this is so good. Mm-hmm. Satan was like, you can't put that on the radio. You can't tell parents about this. It's going to transform lives. Mm-hmm. And it is. <laughs> and my goodness, we appreciate you. Yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Hey, Rebels. I hope you enjoyed that program as much as I have. I have been pouring through Paul Tripp's book. You know, some of the books we have on, I think they're great. And if you're looking for something to read and you've got a little extra scratch, great. You can get it. Others, I highly recommend. And this one, this one is a keeper. Keep revisiting it. Let it permeate in your brain. Let you start viewing parenting as this lifelong journey. And it doesn't have to be finished and done with right now. It'll, it'll let you rein it in. It'll, it'll drop the stress and the guilt. 
I'm telling you, I really, really enjoyed Paul Tripp. Don't forget Rebel Live every Monday and Friday, 8 Pacific, 11 Eastern, facebook.com slash Dobson. And check out the new website for a lot of good parenting resources. And while you're there, hit the Donate tab and help us out. All donations are tax deductible. Our website is rebelparenting.org. God bless. I'll see you soon.